This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 12, Episode 28. This is Writing Excuses, trimming and expanding. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. <laughs> I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Marianne. And I'm Wesley. And we are talking about revision. We're going to talk about taking something short and making it long, which I'm very, very, very good at doing, <laughs> and taking something long and making it short, which um, I hear people do sometimes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it is a thing. You do that, though. I you, do that. I do that. Let, but let's talk. I personally feel that, um, that expanding is a little easier. Right? Like, not taking a short story and making a novel, but when my editor comes in, all my books get longer. He says, oh, wouldn't it be cool if? And when you have a novel, you can be like, oh, it would be cool if we had this extra scene. So in some cases, that's easier. I think it depends on the writer. Yeah, yeah. I think it depends on where you're at in the writing process. Mm -hmm. Also true. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So expanding is, I guess all of them are a little bit different. There's expanding something you have to a longer version of itself and expanding something and taking it to a completely different genre, right? There's also, uh, so when I was in grad school, I remember at one point I brought in a story and it was, I think, a pretty straightforward story. It worked on some level from beginning to end. And my uh, advisor read it and she said, well, this is fine, but what I'd like you to work on is layering in a second theme that goes runs through the entire story from beginning to end. And I think that was a real turning point in my writing when I realized that a story can do more than one thing and have multiple things, multiple issues that are kind mm-hmm. of playing against each other. Um, now I would say they, you know, typically they have three or four things playing against each other through the entire story. So is that hard for you? Or? It was some, no, now it is pretty straightforward, but I, like, it hadn't occurred to me. Uh, you know, up until that point. Yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of writers uh, wind up doing in the development process of the story mm-hmm. uh, as you get farther in, um, that this is one of the things we talk about when we're saying, you know, combine two ideas to make one story because the intersections of those themes are where the surprises come. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, what what when you make a promise, you're going to fulfill that promise. So if you only have one storyline going through it, it's fairly dull, which is why if you can learn to add in something, like if you finish a story and it's like, eh, this story doesn't really do anything, learning to add in that second through line is is tricky. But I, I have done that with some stories that weren't firing. So let's talk about this idea more. Taking something, you, you're writing a short story, you add something to it, or a novel, you add something. We'll talk about taking a short story and turning it into a novel or a novella later on. But have so I'll give you, you, I can yeah. give you an example, right? So for um, a story that I published in Asimov's this past summer uh, called Webs, the main through line is about, um, I w- sort of wanted to talk about race conflict through the lens of aliens, et cetera. And so um, the main conflict are these people who are coming and fleeing um, a riot and take refuge with a neighbor who, and the neighbor has has to decide whether to shelter them or not at risk of their own life. So that's a pretty straightforward plot. Um, I added into that a secondary thread, which is that this neighbor 
you know, I, I kind of want to think about, well, why would she be perhaps reluctant to shelter these people? And added in a, a, a transgender actual thread where um, the sort of genetic modification that was putting them at risk was sort of something that also put her at risk in a different way and and something that she that had caused resentment between them in the past. And so it complicated everyone's mm-hmm. motivations and made, I think, a much stronger story. Yeah, and the mechanical way that I've, I've handled doing something like yeah. that when I'm going back in to add something, a lot of times the, that theme is already in the bones of the story, mm-hmm. and it's just bringing it out and making sure that it's present through the whole thing. So what I'll do mechanically is I'll go through and look on each page, and sometimes I look on a paragraph-by-paragraph level, but, but basically every 250 words, I check to make sure that there is something about that thematic element that is occurring. And if it's not, then I look at my point-of-view character and think, okay, what is it about this scene that can trigger a thought for them? And sometimes that mm-hmm. involves adding an action. Sometimes it involves uh, giving them a, a different set of thoughts and internal reactions to something. But I find that that's one way to add something in. And it, a lot of times this doesn't take a lot of effort. It's it's like one sentence here, one sentence there. Sometimes it's a full paragraph, but it, it's usually something that uh, can be done much easier than you think it can going into it. So, so the question then is like there's different kinds of expansion. So it mm-hmm. seems that we're talking a lot about like, okay, we have a story here. We want to expand it by, let's say if we're doing a murder mystery, we're, we're lacing in clues along, along the way to the story. Or let's say for, for me, I, I primarily expand at the beginning of, of an idea. So man can walk through walls. Okay. So, and he's also a sex fiend. Okay. So I, I take the idea <laughs> and then, and then I, I, I will write three chapters of it. And that's kind of like the way I get to know the character, get to know the, the, the narrative voice. And then after I have the bones of it, then I will expand it into that. Take those three chapters usually becomes the first nine chapters of a book. Right. Okay. No. So on moving on that topic, have you ever taken a short story that you finished and said, I want to write a novel based on this? Not going <laughs> to well, lie. I have never written a short story in my life. Okay. Uh, all of my published novels are in fact originally short stories. Uh, well, Shades of Milk and Honey was originally a short story. It was mm-hmm. flash fiction, actually. Originally. Was it? Yeah, it was. I, oh, I remember you telling me about yeah. this now. Yeah. Yeah, the first chapter, the first scene of the first chapter mm-hmm. is basically the the first short story. Um, and then uh, Ghost Talkers was uh, the backstory for a short story. Okay. And um, and then— Your current project, currently obviously. Currently, Project mm-hmm. Calculating Stars and Faded Sky are both— Again, backstory for Lady Astronaut of Mars, um, which is actually a, a thing that I picked up, um, a trick that I picked up from uh, Orson Scott Card's How to Write Science Fiction and Fantasy when he mm-hmm. talked about how to expand a short story into novel length. He's like, it's very tempting to try to to unpack all of the scenes and make the scenes longer. And while you do have to do that to a certain degree— um, because readers expect a different type of experience from a novel scene than a short story scene. Uh, he suggested actually reaching into the character's backstory and s- doing the thing that we are always told to not do, but starting the story earlier mm-hmm. um, and and leading up to that that pivotal climactic moment, which I thought which has worked for me very well. Um, and it also allows you to do some of the things that Marianne was talking about, which is to layer in different thematic elements 
which then give you stuff so that after you hit that climactic scene, which was the original short story, you have additional things to unpack and explore. I know this was very difficult for Eric James Stone, who's a frequent uh, guest on the podcast. His first novel came out last year, and it was I was in his writing group while he was trying to expand this from short story length to novel length. And as a very natural short story writer, he kept cutting scenes, every single one of them, way too quickly. For a novel, where we're like, wait, we want to know. Like, give us some emotional payoff here. Give us a little bit of time with the character at the start. Um, and it was like a sequence of really fast glimpses um, of this character, uh, which each of them were brilliant on their own. But it took a lot of work for him to learn how to linger a little you bit. Know, I, I wonder if that's just like, – like, it depends on where you start as a writer. If mm-hmm. you start as a short story writer, you have these natural tendencies to be a bit more concise, to be more, you know – single plot. And I actually started as a poet. So even getting to short stories took me a while. (laughs) How did you do that? I mean, I wrote poetry for two years. When I started writing short stories, the first year I wrote, they were all about a thousand words long. Mm. And I published most of them because it's actually easy to place short stories that are that short. But Yeah, magazines love them. But it limits what you can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you started off as a novelist, right? I did start as a novelist. Um, You started big and... So I I am a big believer in um, the adage, write what you know, doesn't necessarily mean don't write about dragons because you've never seen dragons. Um, But I feel that an author is often best, not 100%, but often best when they're in a genre they have read and they know the discussion that's happening there. um, And they know the, the, they just instinctively know the tools of that genre. And I had not read a lot of short stories back in the day. And I had read a lot of novels. It's what I wanted to do. So I started into that back when it was considered a bad move. I, it was during the transition point. Mm-hmm. For a long time in science fiction fantasy, writing short fiction was considered the way to break in. You trained on this, and then you got a novel if your short stories were good. And during my era, that shifted as the short story market started to shrink and the novel market started to expand. Um, but that's a market thing. We, let's move off of that. Mary, you were going to add something. Well, one of the, uh, as you were talking, one of the things that um, occurred to me was I have a a novel that was, um, it was originally a novel, um, and then I trimmed it down to a novella, which uh, is, uh, was then, it's called Kiss Me Twice, and it was nominated for a Hugo. It's very good. Thank you. Um, And then... I I then decided to unpack it and turn it back into a novel, but I had made discoveries, so mm-hmm. just going back to the original novel wasn't going to work. But one of the things that happened for me in that process was when I was having beta readers read it, they would hit scenes that had been in the original novella and have all of these questions that didn't come up when it was in Right, straight up novella the form. Expectation. Because the expectations yeah. were different. And what I realized through that was that the primary difference between short fiction and long fiction in terms of how you should approach it is not about, oh, what does this form do? What does that form do? But it's about audience expectation. So from what I can tell, novel readers are reading for the immersion. And short story and novella, but short form readers are reading for kind of a quick emotional punch in the gut. The, the way I describe it is the difference between uh, watching the Olympics and where you watch the road to the Olympics, you watch all of the different competitors, even if you're rooting for one particular person in one particular category. And then, you know, you watch the gymnasts go out and they do their flippy flippy. They go off the stage. Well, the, the flippy flippy, guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's the flippy flippy. I am all about the technical terms. Um 
They go off stage. They they hug their coach. You wait for their scores. Then there's the medal mm-hmm. ceremony. Then you have the denouement of the exit uh, interview, and that that's a novel. You you have watched the Olympics. A short story is the YouTube clip of the flippy flippy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you want that to start right before the flippy flippy begins. I'm just going to keep using that. <laughs> and then the moment the gymnast sticks the landing, you're out. And and this isn't to say that a short story must be a single emotional thread because, you know, you've seen the YouTube clip where the gymnast goes out and they do their routine and they fall and you're like, no, and then they get up and they keep going and you're like, oh, it's so beautiful. Look at them succeed. <laughs> and and this is but, – but it is about that, that swift emotional punch. So when you're talking about expanding a novel versus expanding a short story, you're talking about filling different audience needs. So, you know, I think – it's interesting to me because I think I've never done this. Like when you talk about taking a short story and turning it into a novel, that's, that is not my natural impulse. What I tend to do is write additional related pieces in the same universe. Um, so, you well, know. That, that is what Mary's done for most of her novels from a short story. <laughs> I, yes. I am yeah. a firm believer that anything can be made into a novel. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But I need to cut this here because we need to do our book of the week, um, which is Plea by Marianne. Okay, so Plea is— Actually a uh, short story, right? It's a short story, and it is uh, part of a series. It starts with The Stars Change, which is my novella, and then there is Communion, Webs, and Plea, which all came out in um, the last couple of years. I'm going to just read you a bit of a review of Plea because it's awkward talking about your own work. Um, This is from Cabbages and Kings podcast— The story shows a family waiting in line, which might not seem that compelling a premise. But they're trying to escape a growing violence against people like them, people who have been genetically modified to live better with their situation. And the violence coming from people who are intolerant of this, who see them as having unfair advantages, who want to make humanity more human again, like that's an actual thing. And they're trying to emigrate to avoid the violence threatening them, and the two mothers, Gwen and Rose— have to make a heartbreaking decision in the face of what those they're trying to seek protection with decide about their case. So it's a story about emigration that is heavy and difficult and reveals that resistance can mean leaving a dangerous system behind and can also mean not being able to. I'll stop there. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Where can they find that? That is at Lightspeed. Excellent. All right. I left us, appropriately, about three minutes to talk about cutting. (laughs) (laughs) The conversation was going very well. So let's trim down our advice on how to cut something. I have one thing. Go for it. My students consistently start the story too early, and and I really, almost all of them— could start five pages later, seven, nine pages. I mean, it's. I know this is like hackneyed advice, but it is true. No, it's good. No, it's not hackneyed <laughs> You can cut, yes. usually cut the first chapter yeah. um, of, of a novel. So, And and I will say in short fiction, uh, just as an exercise, uh, try cutting your first paragraph and your last paragraph of, of each scene. It's, it, I wouldn't do it for everything, but it's a lot of times when you're in an early, early, science, early writer, you are finding the scene. Mm-hmm. 
And that that first bit is just you writing your way into it. I mean, 90% of the time, I, I write the first chapter and then I write the whole book and I almost inevitably rewrite the whole first chapter because mm-hmm. that, that chapter, is the, that's the one where you're most muddled, where you're still kind of get, finding your feet about, you know, about the story. So. Yeah, I'm doing that right now with my, my current project. I've tossed out the first chapter three times. But most everything else I, I is working. I hate first chapters. They're the but worst. that one. Um, and I, I would I add— do that. Hmm? I don't do that. I don't know yeah. why. Mm. I would just add cutting on a different level. I do have to go through and, you know, kill my darlings in the sense of cutting those lines that are almost too poetic. I think this is maybe because I come from a poetry background is that, you know, I will have this temptation to put in this beautiful line, but it ends up carrying so much weight compared to the rest of the text, and we've talked about sort of windowpane prose, that it draws attention to itself, and then it distracts from the story. So I, I yeah. end up often having to cut those. I've um, I've shared this before, but my the famous thing Moshe wrote on my first manuscript, Brandon, you can't be Gene Wolfe for one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and that's, yeah. that. I mean, they stick out like a sore thumb sometimes. Yeah. For me, trimming is actually is a reversal of what I said earlier, is what I spend most of my time doing revision. I don't need to expand. I expand naturally. (laughs) I have to learn to cut. And one of the most um, uh, educating parts of my career was when I was told by my publisher early on, this needs to go down by about 10%. Um, And so I took that literally, and I said, every chapter is going down 10% exactly (laughs) by word. And learning to cut line by line Paragraph by paragraph, ask yourself, if I've repeated this concept, do I need all of these words, is one of the most useful things I think a writer can learn, particularly of my style of writer, who hasn't spent a lot of time in the short form. I, I will tell you that I did that when I was early career, and it's something that I recommend to my students. Again, as an exercise, this is not—a lot of times people will hear um, the 10% solution, which is actually yeah. a, a good book, um, and— go and and feel like that is something that every writer must do at all times. And that is definitely not true. But if you are a writer that is early career and you're still trying to figure out what is important, uh, the the 10%, just going through and mechanically cutting 10% is really useful yeah, you training. you so much. Nowadays, I, when I do it, I keep track just to see when I do my, my revision. I usually cut 5%. Right, I don't get to the full ten naturally. No, because one of the yeah. things that happens is that you, by doing this, you start to train yourself to not write that stuff in the first place. Yeah. All right, we are going to stop for some homework, which is going to teach you to do this. Mary, you are going to. Right. So, um, so this is a very brutal solution to cutting. This is when you've got something that you know is bloated. You're, like your your readers have gone, I'm getting really drowsy here. This goes on too long. It's a giant info dump. Take a look at it and examine how many concepts are in that that the story will completely break if they aren't there. So let's say that it's uh, that the onions must be sliced thinly, that your main character is wearing red and there's a bowl of kimchi on the table. Um, those are three concepts. You should be able to convey those three concepts in just three sentences, but you've used 11 sentences. So trim that down to get it to three sentences. And it, it's not that each concept must be in its own sentence, but you are not allowed any more than three sentences. Okay, and, uh, and uh, I'm going to add to that. Um, go the opposite direction. Say the onions must be sliced thinly. 
figure out how to expand that without actually saying the onions must be sliced thinly and see what you can kind of expand out to and kind of discover as you write around it. Great. So there's your homework, guys. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 